The prophet foresees a time of prosperity and justice when God will reveal his glory. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth, and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the works of their hands. They shall not bear, they shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be offering blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Our responsive reading this morning is Canticle 9, found on page 2 and 3 of the worship booklet. Um, Page 2 is the refrain, and then the verses on 3 will sing the refrain, and then the verses and come back to the refrain every other verse. Would you please stand to sing Canticle 9?
You may be seated. A reading from Paul's second letter to the church in Thessalonica. Now we command you, beloved, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from believers who are living in idleness and not according to the tradition that they received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you, and we did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked, among, we worked night and day, so that we might not burden any of you. This was not because we did not have the right, but in order to give you an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command, anyone unwilling to work should not eat. For we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Thanks be to God. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be, and what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and plagues. There will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your souls. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. You can tell that we're getting close to the end of the church year. Um, We always get uh, readings at the end of the church year about the end of the world, as if the world were going to come to an end. Next Sunday is the last Sunday before Advent, and then the following Sunday is Advent 1. So here we are just about at the end of the church year. But we get two very different images in our readings today of what the end of the world is going to look like. On the one hand, there's Luke. The temple will be destroyed, not a stone left on stone. Nation will rise against nation. Famines, plagues, earthquakes, signs and wonders. Yikes. Not sure I want that. And on the other hand, Isaiah. They will build houses and inhabit them. They will plant vineyards and enjoy them. 
they will enjoy the fruit of their labor. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountains. So what's going on? Why such different images? Luke is taking over Mark's gospel. And Mark saw the Roman armies marching against Jerusalem, um, saw them besiege it and finally overtake it. And he thought that meant Jesus was coming right now. As soon as the temple is gone, Jesus was going to be here, and that was it. Luke is writing another 30 years after Mark, and he has to explain, hmm, why didn't that happen? And so tucked in the middle of that reading, the end is not yet. Don't be misled. People will say, look, there he is. Don't go after them. This is what it's going to be like in the meantime. They'll turn you over to synagogues. You'll have to give your testimony before governors. That's the time we're living in now. It would be easy enough to point to the world around us and say, we see that going on, volcanoes in Indonesia, wars against this, that, and the other nation. Surely Jesus is coming. Don't be misled. Don't point and say, look, there he is. He's coming soon. Instead, look at that Isaiah passage enjoying the fruits of our labor. How many people in the world wish it were so that they could build a house and someone else not inhabit, that they could plant a vineyard and enjoy the fruit of it rather than someone else? Think about, say, for instance, um, the West Bank or the Gaza Strip and people who have been moved out of homes. Um, Even in Sudan, when I was there, hearing stories about the war, the SPLA, the army of the southern part of Sudan, came into Louis, which is in the southern part of Sudan, so it's their own army, and simply commandeered people's farms and people's houses to house themselves and to feed themselves. Gordon told the story of having to sneak onto his farm at night having to wait till after 9 o'clock until the snakes were too cold to stay out on the surface and went back into their holes, going in after dark, hoping that the moon wasn't out so no one would see him, to steal grain, his own grain, grain that he had planted, in order to feed his family. How many people in the world wish it were true that they could build houses and inhabit them, plant vineyards, and enjoy their fruit? Isaiah has this picture of Jerusalem. And in the book of Revelation, the prophet also has a vision of Jerusalem coming down from heaven. Only this time there's no temple in Jerusalem because the dwelling of God is with God's people. God dwells with God's people when God's people have good work to do and enjoy the fruit of it. This passage in Luke's gospel, I've never noticed it before, never paid attention to it before, comes immediately on the heels of the story of Jesus sitting at the temple treasury, watching the rich people put in their bags of money, and then the widow coming with her two mites. And you know what he says. He says, she has put in more than all the rest, because they, from their abundance, gave their gift. She, from her poverty, has given everything she had, her very life. Where did all that money go that they put in? Well, it went to adorn the temple, to make the beautiful stones and the offerings that were set up in the temple. And Jesus says, not a stone will be left 
on stone. God is more interested in lives than in temples. In the letter that we heard from Paul to the Thessalonians, and he talks about the end of the world coming and the, the unrighteous one will set up shop and rule the world, but then Jesus will come and take over. But, he says at the very end of the letter, we hear that some of you are living in idleness. Some of you are saying, well, God is coming any minute now. Why do any work? We just wait for it to show up, and then it will be all right. No, earn your bread in quietness, he says. It's in the simple stuff that we catch the vision of what God has in mind for the future. It's in earning money and bringing it home, putting food on the table. If you have kids, dressing the kids, getting them out to school, cleaning the house, turning over the garden in the, in the yard in the simple stuff that we catch the vision that God has for the future. Not dramatic, not grandiose, not signs and portents in the heavens, not earthquakes here, there, and everywhere, in the simple stuff. We have work days at church and do the same thing that we do at home. We paint the windows, we turn over the garden in the back, and we step back and say, wow, that feels really good. Look at what we did. God is in the midst of that. That's where we catch the vision that Isaiah had. They will build houses and inhabit them, plant vineyards and enjoy their fruit. It may seem dreary and boring to get the kids ready for school, to put the food on the table, to vacuum the carpet yet again. But think how many people in the world would give anything for that vision. That's the vision that God has. It's always dangerous to say that on a Sunday when we're going to take pledge cards And Jesus sitting at the temple looking at people putting in their money bags and then the widow with her two mites and says, she gave more than all of the rest of them. God is not so much interested in temples as God is interested in lives. Why do we give money to make this place go? So that we can have a place to come and catch God's vision. Be reminded that what we do in our daily lives is part of what God has in mind. Why do we bring a check and put it in the plate? Because that's what we get in our daily lives. And we give that to God so that God can be interested in our lives. God is not so much interested in temples as in houses for people to inhabit and vineyards for them to enjoy the fruit. Amen.